You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I did. We've got some things to talk about. Not a ton in Bachelor Nation, but we do have a few things to talk about. We're going to talk about some podcasts as well, some things going on in pop culture, and then some college football since we are getting close Next weekend, we'll know our final four, but there's a few scenarios out there right now, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on that, and we will get to that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by StoryWorth. StoryWorth compiles your loved ones' stories, memories, and even photos into an exquisite hardcover book, creating a valued keepsake. Guys, this is a great holiday gift. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash Steve today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash Steve to save $10 on your first purchase. This podcast is also brought to you by First Leaf Wines. First Leaf makes it simple to discover new wines that you'll love. They learn your taste through a questionnaire that you fill out, then deliver quality wines right to your door. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash realitysteve. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash realitysteve to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. So as I mentioned last week, right now we are in a period where there is no filming in Bachelor Nation and nothing is airing, and that's not going to happen until January 23rd. So we got a good nine weeks of really nothing going on in the franchise. So the only stories involving Bachelor Nation will be anything I get spoiler-wise to add on to Zach's season. It's one of these things where I've heard a lot about Zach's season, but I haven't gotten any specifics. I've heard generalizations about things, and I'm looking to get specifics to, to nail down what happened and when and what you can expect. And then obviously still trying to figure out uh, who Zach ended up picking in the end. Uh, we have it up through your final three. You know your final three are Gabriella, Katie, and um, who am I blanking on? <laughs> God, I always do this. I should have written this down. Gabriella, we know that Charity went home at number four after her hometown dates. So it's, um, yeah, Gabriella, Katie, and Ariel are your final three. So we'll go from there and hopefully I find stuff out, but we've got nine weeks before the first episode airs. They're going to be running promos here and there and things on Instagram, uh, commercials and promos for the season on Instagram. That's going to give stuff away as well, but you know, a lot, I've given you a lot. You pretty much have all your eliminations up, uh, through the final three. So we've got that. Um, not a ton happening, um, in Bachelor Nation over the weekend that I saw. But I do want to send a, a very hearty congratulations out to Ashley Spivey, my former co-host on the He Said, She Said podcast and our Instagram lives. I know a lot of you are fans of hers, and she had her baby Penny on Thanksgiving Day, which if you know anything about Ashley's struggles throughout the years, I, this is you couldn't be happier for somebody uh, to finally have that child that she so desperately wanted. And uh, Penny is healthy. If you follow Ashley on her stories, you can see pictures of Penny. 
cute little daughter, and they are over the moon, clearly. And after she's been through what she's been through, like I said, for the last five to seven years, I mean, this is, uh, you can't, you just can't help but not be happy for Ashley. So, um, you know, send her a message. I know she's getting flooded with messages, but send her a message if you'd like just to, uh, to, to congratulate her. So again, congratulations and to, to Ashley. I'm glad everything worked out with Penny and she's healthy and they are, looks like they're leaving the hospital soon. Um, one thing to talk about in regards to Bachelor in Paradise is obviously since it just ended airing, we're still seven months away from season nine filming, which will film next June. But you're going to get a lot of people saying like, oh, who's going to be on again from this season? Are they going to bring Aaron back? Are they going to bring Genevieve back? Are they going to bring Shanae back? You know, we don't know. It's still it's so far out. One thing that I will kind of say about this and I have kind of experience in this <laughs> having spoken to former contestants in the past anybody that you hear saying I would never do paradise take it with a grain of salt especially ones that were just on even though there's maybe saying it right now I would never do it again it's just you, you don't want to believe it because one, they can easily change their mind. They're saying it now because they're fresh off this season, and this season was a shit show, so it's very easy to say, oh, my God, I would never do that again. But you have to remember, while they are saying that now, they're kind of saying it knowing what the dating pool is out there in Bachelor Nation. What they're forgetting is all the guys that are going to be on next season of The Bachelorette, whoever The Bachelorette may be, that they don't even know who those guys are yet because clearly they haven't started filming The Bachelorette yet. It doesn't start till um, March. But we're going to have a new batch of guys around mid-March given to us on the Bachelorette Facebook page. So once we get that, all these women who are like, no, I would never do it again, no way, they're going to see a whole new group of guys that might pique their interest and be like, oh, I'd like to go down there and meet him. Because remember, all the women this season didn't know anything about any of Rachel and Gabby's guys. They didn't know anything about Jacob. They didn't know anything about Logan. They didn't know anything about Johnny. And those guys seem to do really well for themselves. So it's going to be the same exact thing. Anybody can say, I'm not going to do it. But when it comes down to it, there's probably a good chance they might end up doing it. So just keep that in mind because I know people are, are kind of saying that here and there and you kind of hear the whispers like, oh, they would never do it again. Trust me. <laughs> An offer is made or someone else comes along that they think is cute on the next season of The Bachelorette. Not that hard to get them to go down there and do it. And obviously one of the biggest things that's going to happen this week in Bachelor Nation is is Victoria and Greg are going to go on Nick's podcast. We went over this all last week. I'm sure there will be a couple clips here and there to pull, or at least quotes we can get from her. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm sure Us Weekly will do a recap, and I'll just read those quotes from her. But, I mean, like I said, I think it's pretty clear um, what's happening here and how that interview is going to go. I don't think Victoria is going to say anything different than she hasn't already. She's going to say that, 
She had moved on. Johnny called her an F and C during their relationship so she could go and move on and do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, with whoever she wants. And that's going to be her take. And, you know, if let's just say that Johnny did call her that, even though she can't prove it, and Nick can't prove it, even though he's basically putting his whole argument behind that, that Victoria can do whatever she wants because that's what Johnny called her. Yeah, if he did, sure. But Nick can't prove that he called her that. So I think once it gets out and once they once that podcast gets out, I think the biggest thing, at least for me, has always been she didn't have to do all this stuff that she did. She didn't have to go to Italy with Greg. She didn't have to be seen all over Nashville with Greg. She did it on purpose to draw attention to herself because this is her brand. So this is what we're dealing with. I don't expect any major revelations to come out of that podcast, but there will be some quotes, I'm sure, that we can dissect. Um, but she has been very hypocritical in the things that she has said over the last year in regards to dating and relationships. So it's very hard to take her at her word because her story seems to change a lot. Maybe she'll give a clearer picture on the timeline of the breakup because it's still very, very confusing. But Again, it's very hard to believe that after she saw Greg at Natalie's birthday party at the end of August, right after that, Johnny said he felt like she was checked out. He went to Nashville, and their weekend was terrible, and after that, she barely talked to him. So it's like the timing all adds up. She saw Greg at that party, probably realized, I definitely don't want to be with Johnny anymore. I want to try things out with Greg, and it's just a matter of where they were at that point in the relationship. Did she say it? Did she? Was she clear about it? And, you know... I think there's just where there's smoke, there's fire. And that's what we're dealing with with her. And, uh, you know, she'll say everything to make herself look good and like she never did anything wrong. And that's, and that's, I think, the biggest, one of the biggest problems. It just seems like she has never, ever, ever, ever admitted that she did anything wrong or said anything wrong. It's just always everyone else's fault and always everyone else is making up rumors about her. And it's just like after a while, when so many people have so many stories about you, um, it's hard to believe that everybody is out to get you, and that's the stance that she seems to take. One of the podcasts that I'm really interested in, and I think if you're a big fan of the challenge, I think you really need to check Johnny Bananas' podcast out. It's called Death, pa- Death Taxes and Bananas, and he had Devin on last week, and I haven't listened to any of his podcasts that have aired during the challenge season. He doesn't give away, obviously, any spoilers. They have to talk as in everything up to the episode that we just saw. And I think it's released the next day. So they're always up on Thursdays or maybe even Fridays. But I listened to the whole Devin podcast, and it was really, really interesting, especially for two people that have a past like they do, because Devin used to just hate bananas. And the fact that they can agree to disagree on some things and talk about things, the biggest takeaway from that podcast with Devin was how much good content and good storyline has not been shown in the episodes. Because they, for whatever reason, MTV allows Bananas to interview contestants, and those contestants during the season after they're eliminated are allowed to come on and talk about stuff that isn't shown. Bachelor franchise kind of tells people you can only talk about what airs. Obviously, some people get out there and say things that you didn't see. Mostly, they get to social media and say that and stuff. And depending on what they say and how descriptive they get will depend on if they get a cease and desist from production. But MTV doesn't seem to care because 
Bananas and Devin are talking about three or four different storylines that were going on in the house that the show never, ever addressed. And I found that really interesting. And I think if you're a Challenge fan, check out Bananas podcast every week. This is only the second one this season. I listened to the Laurel one and I listened to Devin. And it was the one with Devin is really good. And, and Devin has really proven himself to be somebody in this franchise that while he might not be any sort of challenge beast, He's very smart. He knows how to maneuver on this show. He knows how to politic. He knows how to play a very good social game. And he makes it very clear. Like, look, I'm unlike a lot of the other contestants in the house because anything I say, I'll say it to your face. I'm not going to lie and be phony. And one of the things that he got into was this whole thing with Amber and the things that Amber was doing that have not been shown on the season because, to me, I think Amber's a really good player. And Amber's very likable. And it just seems like I know that not only those two, but others have said that that Amber is one of the biggest schemers on this show. And she has a lot of people fooled. And I found that very interesting because I, I guess I'm one of the people. Because I've always been a big fan of Amber on this show. And apparently she is just a mess behind the scenes with the amount of lies and, you know, two-faced comments that she's making and all these different deals that she's making, but then accuses other people of making deals when she's doing the same herself. Just a lot, a lot of stuff, but very interesting podcast. If you want to check that out, death taxes and bananas is the name of that podcast. And I believe it does come out every Thursday because he has somebody on. I think doesn't necessarily have to be the eliminated person. Cause obviously Devin is still on the show and he was last week's guest, but, um, very interesting stuff if you're if you're a fan of the challenge like I am. So we're going to end with some college football today, about five minutes of stuff to go over. First off, uh, you're welcome for the winner on BYU over Stanford. It was the last game on the board. It was the, it was the final game to end on Saturday night of the college football weekend. But, uh, hey, it was a winner. Um, you might have looked at the final score and been like, wow, that was pretty close. Really, it wasn't. BYU was up 35-12 in the fourth quarter and ended up winning 35 what was it 35 26 and won by nine and after the game the Stanford coach quit I mean okay he didn't quit but he resigned and I told you before the game that Stanford's been on their way down uh, they have one of the worst records in power five schools over the last four years uh, it's like the fifth or sixth worst and David Shaw went to the Rose Bowl three of his first four years there but he's really done nothing since and like I said that that they have zero home field advantage. Nobody goes to Stanford football games. And it's just really not a program that seems to be on the rise at all. And David Shaw is just like, he just felt it was time to uh, to leave. But uh, that was a winner for you. Obviously the biggest game of the weekend, Ohio State-Michigan. I told you before on Friday you know, if you're Ohio State, you have to win this game. You're at home. They embarrassed you last year, and college football playoff is on the is on the line. Like you have to win this game, and for the second year in a row, they got embarrassed again. And it's you know, obviously things happen in in college football, and you can't predict things. It's why I didn't want to make it my game. I, I'll tell you this: if Blake Corum didn't get injured the week before against Illinois, and Blake Corum was 100. percent I would have absolutely told you Michigan was my play of the weekend. I was going to take the seven because I have felt all season that while Ohio State runs up and down in the field on the, you know, 
Nebraska's of the world and the Northwesterns of the world, even though the Northwestern game was close this year. But you know what I'm saying. They just, you know, Maryland, you know, drop 50 on Maryland and stuff like that. Michigan State, they blow all those teams out. They hadn't seen a defense like Michigan all year. And I didn't know if Michigan would win, but I, I thought it would be a close game. And then when Corum, I knew, wasn't going to be at 100%, I was just like, I, I can't. I, I can't do it. I can't pull the trigger. And, you know, obviously Michigan ended up winning the game outright. You didn't even need the seven points. But, man, that was an ass kicking. Like, they were dominated. And just goes to show, most of the time, the better defense beats the better offense. And Michigan put the clamps on Ohio State, who only scored with three points in the second half, right? They were up 20. They were up 2017 at half, yeah, and lost 45 23. You had three points in the second half at home with the college football playoff on the line. It's not good. And that's two years in a row now. Now, yes, you dominated them for the previous 15 years, but Michigan's had their number two years in a row now. And, you know, after last year's loss, Ohio State basically went back to the drawing board. And we're like, this isn't going to happen again. They dumped their defensive coordinator. They brought in a new one. And that guy got rolled yesterday. So what do you do from here? I don't know. So here's where we're at. Um, three of the four college football playoff teams, I believe, are set. Georgia, Michigan, and TCU are in, I think, regardless of what happens this weekend. If Georgia loses, we know they're not dropping out of the top four. They were number one last year, and they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship and didn't drop out. They want, they dropped to four. Michigan is, if they happen to lose to Purdue, which they won't, but let's just say they did, they'd be 12-1 and one and, a, you know, and won their division. They'll get in. TCU, same thing. They could possibly lose to Kansas State. Absolutely. They were down 28-10 to Kansas State at home. But – if they lose it, they'd be 12-1, and one, and I, I think they still get in. If USC wins Friday night over Utah in the Pac-12 championship, they're the number four seed, and your final four is set before Saturday's games are even played. You'll have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. What I think could possibly happen is if USC looks really impressive on Friday night and TCU maybe gets by Kansas State, SC might jump TCU, and SC might go to three, and TCU goes to four. So you'd have Georgia play TCU and Michigan play SC. Because maybe I don't know if they want Georgia USC in the final in the semifinal game. Maybe they want to kind of maybe assure Georgia gets to the championship game and give them TCU. We'll see, but we'll see when the rankings come out this week how far they drop Ohio State. Because if SC loses, you're basically down to two teams fighting for one spot a one-loss Ohio State team that didn't win its division, or a two-loss Alabama team that didn't win its division. I mean, Bama's best win is what? At Texas by a point with their backup quarterback in the last three quarters? Yeah, they had two losses. I get it. Both were on the road, and both were on the final play of the game. Ohio State has beaten a top-15 Penn State team. I, I think they take Ohio State. If SC loses... I think Ohio State's still getting in. I think they're going to be the four seed. And I think they're going to take a one-loss Ohio State team over a two-loss Alabama team. Remember, no two-loss team has ever made uh, the college football playoff. And a few years ago, they had a choice between taking a one-loss Alabama team over a two-loss Ohio State team, and they took a one-loss Alabama team. So I don't see how they would jump Alabama over Ohio State if SC loses. 
If SC doesn't lose, and let's say TCU loses, do they take a one-loss Ohio State or a two-loss Bama team over TCU? TCU's got five top 25 wins. The Big 12 was really good this year. I don't think they do. I think if SC wins Friday night, nothing that happens on Saturday is going to matter, maybe outside of the seeding. But your four teams are going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and SC. And it's just a matter of if they move SC to three and TCU back down to four based on performance. But Caleb Williams locked up the Heisman with that performance over Notre Dame on Saturday. No doubt he's going to win the Heisman now. It's probably going to be pretty overwhelming, too, that he wins it. And I just think a Michigan-USC semifinal game, uh, they would absolutely love. And, yeah, that would be really interesting. Uh, one one final thing on college football this season. Have you noticed this Fansville commercials that run every year during college football season? It's their, it's their you know, um, joint in conjunction with Dr. Pepper, and they run these Fansville commercials. I think they're really funny. And the funniest thing is that our boy Colin Robbins from junior year of college of 90210 is in it. And, you know, how do we all forget Colin Robbins? He got Kelly hooked on Coke junior year, which led her to rehab where she met Tara, the crazy stalker roommate that cut her hair like Kelly's. She keyed Di Val into Valerie's car. She killed her goldfish by overfeeding them. (laughs) And then she kidnapped Kelly and tried to kill both of them by driving them to a cliff and locking them in a car with a hose attached to the exhaust pipe so they could die of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, this is one of the all-time storylines in the history of 90210, and it's why junior year of college is my favorite season and will always be my favorite season. So many things. But Colin Robbins, we all remember him, the artist from back east, and Kelly was goo-goo gaga over him, and then he got her hooked on coke, and she spiraled out of control. And all that stuff happened, but yeah, he's in the he's in the Dr Pepper Fansville commercial. So every time I see him, I just I can't get Colin Robbins out of my head. But anyway, just keep that in mind next time you're watching uh, college football this weekend. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. I uh, hope you had a great weekend, Thanksgiving with family and friends, and we are back tomorrow with yet another daily roundup. So until tomorrow, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.